Welcome to the show. Today it's Wednesday on Acknowledged Dogs, which means it's Working Dog Wednesday. We're going to break down all of the things that you need to know to have a great canine partner and be the best handler for your dog possible. Let's jump into it. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Michael, with Matador Canine today. On Working Dog Wednesday and Acknowledged Dogs, we're talking about teaching the out. Teaching the out. What is teaching the out? That's teaching your dog to let go of something, whatever it may be, okay? Now, I've wanted to make this podcast for quite some time, and I've hesitated because most individuals who do bite work or they're doing something like that, they are rooted in their techniques, and that is totally fine. Okay. You can be rooted in your techniques. You can use your techniques. You do what works for you. By all means, power to you. But there's always many ways to do something. Okay. This is how I teach it. This is how I was taught to teach it. This helps me justify what I'm putting the dog through. Okay. Now I know, well, what does he mean by that? When you're doing bite work, and you are working with a working dog, you put them through a lot of stress. You put them through a lot of tough situations. And of course, you're trying to build their confidence, and it is a dog that can handle that stress. But I'm asking the dog to do it. Yeah, the dog loves it because I make him love it, right? I do my absolute best to make it an enjoyable experience. But some dogs just want to lay on the couch, (laughs) okay? Even if it's a Malinois, even if it's a German Shepherd. Maybe they would just want to play fetch or frisbee or whatever. But we've selected them to go into basically hell for our protection, for our safety, for the safety of others. And the best thing that we can do for them, the only way that we could possibly pay them back, is to make training just a little bit easier. A little bit more, I don't want to say humane, but we'll say humane a little less stressful sometimes, especially when it doesn't need to be, okay? So absolutely, when you need to put the pressure on, you put that pressure on. But there are some things you don't need to put the pressure on, and this is one of them. It also creates a bond between me as the handler of the dog and the dog. We are a team. We are figuring this out together. We are in the fight together. It's not my dog doing things on his own. And I'm just back here. And I'm certainly not a part of the problem. How many handlers are perceived by their dog as part of the problem when we end up doing bite work and we're teaching the out? Right? Dogs that circle around the suspect or the decoy and don't let the handler get a hold of them, that's a problem for a multitude of reasons. But it's a problem because the dog is now seeing the handler as part of the fight, not a partner in the fight. Right? There's a difference. Part of the fight and a partner in the fight. That's a difference. So we're teaching the out. The first thing that you need to know about teaching the out is it's going to take a while. This is not a quick, a quick solution. It's a quick solution down the road because it helps you in every other area, but it is not a quick solution. Get that out of your head. Oh, my dog's going to learn out in one day. Nope, probably not. Maybe a couple days, depending on how you train it and depending on the dog and how much prep work you do. It always goes back to prep work. Okay, if you're not going to put the time in on your own, this is not with your team. This is not with your training partners. This is not with your decoys. you got to put the prep work in before you even get there. Okay. So, 
prep work is critical, and that actually segues nicely into the first thing you have to do when you are teaching the out. This is the very first thing, and it has nothing to do with actually teaching the out. It's obedience. I know, I know. I talk about obedience every every single Working Dog Wednesday. I feel like I talk about obedience because it is so critical. You cannot do anything. You cannot do anything until obedience is solid. It is one of my favorite books, and I'm not going to tell you what the book is, but it's one of my favorite books. I, I hold this book so near and dear to my heart. One of my favorite books. In chapter two, we talk about obedience in the book. And almost every single chapter after, the author says, did you go back to chapter two? Chapter two was not written for you to ignore. This is verbatim what he says. Chapter two was not written for you to ignore because you think you know obedience. Go back and read chapter two. The next chapter. Go back and read chapter two. All of this is in chapter two. And the book was not about obedience. The book is about bite work. So what is he saying? Bite work is just advanced obedience. If you don't have the obedience, if you don't have the skills of obedience, if you don't have the timing of obedience, if you don't have the rewards of obedience, if you don't have the control of obedience, you cannot do bite work successfully. And you certainly cannot teach the out successfully if you do not have obedience. So obedience is first and foremost in anything you decide to do. If you do not have obedience, you have nothing. Just think about it like that. If you don't have obedience, you have nothing. Your dog is not trained unless you have obedience. Put it like that. So once you have obedience, let's say you used food to teach obedience, which I I know most individuals in the working dog world don't. But let's say you do, because you should. Then you move on to toys. Perfect. Love it. Great. Absolutely wonderful. So you work obedience with toys. You removed food. You got the precision down with food, which is why I would use food. Food gives us a little more precision and consistency. So you get the precision down, then you work up to a variable reward schedule, and now you implement using toys. And toys are just jackpot rewards to build motivation, build speed, work on latency, right? All the good stuff. Work in distractions. But to get that precision down, you should use food. Okay, so now you got the toy. You mark and reward for a good job well done. They get the toy. And now you start teaching the out. So what do most people do? They either let the dog have the toy so they can parade it around and they can reward them for feeling good, right? That's fine. You would do that in bite work, right? When you slip the sleeve, that's totally fine. You could pull out a second toy. You could do two toy, which is fine too. And people do that in uh, decoy work. There's a dog, I think his name was Demon which was a fitting name until I think they changed it because it wasn't uh, the, the agency didn't like it as a um, PR decision. But anyway, <laughs> uh, his name was Demon when I knew him and when I heard of him. So he you they used two decoys. Okay, he would bite one decoy and then to release one decoy, he got to get the second decoy. And this dog had such a big wide mouth, he was able to get both decoys. He dragged the first decoy over to the second decoy because they had to be right next to each other, and he was able to bite both sleeves at the same time. But I digress. So let's say you're just doing obedience, because you should be doing obedience all the time. So you're doing a heel, 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 heel. You get 20 feet, stop, sit, boom, toy comes out. You mark reward, they jump up, they grab the toy, you start tugging, you start tugging, you let them have it, good. Now eventually you got to get it back. Okay, so you call them, you have them release it, But what if they don't release? Ah, what do you do now? So this is what I prefer to do. 
this is how I teach the out. This is the start of teaching the out. First off, with any behavior, what's the first thing we do with any behavior? Do you know? Have you been listening to all the other podcasts? Do you know? Think about it. I'll give you a second. Okay. That was your second. That was your time's up. If you don't know, you don't know. It's fine. First thing you do is teach the behavior. Do not add the cue. Do not ask for it. Do not work on distance, duration, distraction, latency, speed. None of that. You have to get the behavior down. I just mentioned it earlier, the precision. So, if I've got a tug toy, and I'm playing tug with my dog, and I say something that they do not know what it means, and then I inflict some kind of punisher to get them to release, now we are at, at animosity. Unless someone else is inflicting the punisher, which means now your dog's not going to like other people around them when you're playing tug, which we don't want. So, what do you do? Right? Yeah, you could use an e-collar. You could punish them that way. But all of this, in most cases, when you have a confident dog, which you're going to have for working dog work, they're going to redirect into the bite. They are redirecting into the bite. Why do they do this? Because they can't bite you. <laughs> some, some will. Some dogs will bite you. They will stop what they're doing to bite you. But in most cases, they will redirect and bite harder into the tug. Now, I was just listening to the police dog radio the other day, and they were mentioning how they will actually teach dogs, they will actually teach dogs that when this pressure gets applied, to bite harder. Why? Because that's what a decoy will do, or that's what a suspect will do, rather. They'll hit the dog, they'll pull the dog, they'll scratch the dog, and we want the dog to redirect all the energy into the bite. A crushing bite. Which is great. Imagine teaching a dog that all of these cues mean bite harder. Hold on. That's great. That's what we want. But now that gives us a problem when we have a dog that needs to let go. <laughs> do you, do you, see, you see the balance? And that's what people would call it. Oh, it's a balance. You have to add enough pressure so that they bite, but now you have to go over the top to let them to let go. Well, that's not what I want. I want my dog to stay on the bite until I release them. However, when I release them, they have to let go. So how do we do that? I'm going to go over it. Don't worry. Don't worry. Stay with me. This is crazy. This is huge. This is so important. So we're practicing to tug. Tug, 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 tug. Boom, boom, boom. No problem, no problem. We're doing great. But we can't say drop it. We can't say los. We can't say out. Because our dog doesn't know what it means. And we can't use punishment. So we're not going to say it and then punish them for not doing it because they don't know what it is. So what do we do? Mm, what do we do? Well, we got two options. I'll give you the first option. This is what you know, you might do in obedience, you could pull out a second tug toy. Okay, This is what the guy did with Demon and the two decoys. So they have to drop the first one to get the second one. Eh, that's all fine and dandy. Okay. But it does not, mm -hmm, it does not teach the dog to let go of what it currently has. It only teaches them to look for the next best thing. If I'm doing bite work, I don't want my dog looking for the next best thing. I want him to hold on to that bite until I let him tell him to let go. Right? Now, if we were chasing two people and I send my dog on one and they've got onto the floor and I tell him off, now I could send him towards the second person. That would be fine. <laughs> but I don't want to have my dog let go of number one for number two. That teaches them that there's always going to be something better. Oh, right. Basically, decoy work is an indirect reward. Right? And if you don't know what an indirect reward is, I believe we, we've gone over it in the past. I'll probably go over it again soon because it's been a while. 
indirect reward is something I do not have control over on me, but I do have control over access to it. Okay, and I have control over my dog and letting them have access to it. So your dog's doing obedience, and then you send them on the bite. Right? You're doing obedience, and then you send them to search. They love searching. They love doing the bite. But they got to do the obedience first. So that's an indirect reward. So, this is how you do it. Okay, this is, this is the gold nugget. We're going to go to a break for a second, and when we come back, we're going to talk about teaching the out. Hey guys, I just want to take a moment to thank today's sponsor. The sponsor for today's episode is Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free, and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. That's where this podcast was made, and maybe that'll be where your podcast will be made. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Welcome back. We're teaching the out here, okay? Your prerequisites, you got to do obedience. You got to do obedience with toys. And you have to know this, okay? Your dog will let go of something eventually, <laughs> okay? And this is why I prefaced this whole episode with it's not going to be quick. It's not meant to be quick. And there's reasons as to why this is not quick. Number one, it does not deteriorate the bite. If I punish my dog for biting, one of two things is going to happen. He's going to bite harder or he's going to let go. And he's not going to like biting. If you you put too much pressure, too much stress, your dog's going to let go. And they learn they can avoid all that by never biting in the first place. I don't want that. I want a nice, solid bite because I want my dog to continue to stay in the fight. So how do we do this? This is what you're going to do. You have a decoy in a full suit. You're going to do a bicep bite, a pocket bite. And you're going to hold on to the dog. You can do a tricep bite. That'd be fine, too. You can do a leg bite, really. But here's the thing. You have to think in your brain, handler, dog, our team. You guys are doing this together. The decoy's job is to keep this dog on the bite successful for as long as possible and to keep this dog in the fight. So how do we do this? Dog bites on. It's got a good, solid, deep bite right in the back of the jaw. Okay, nice and solid. Now, if you don't want to stand up, because decoy, right, you're you're holding a 100-pound animal, 80-pound animal on you, you can work your way to the ground, especially if you're working on predatory aggression, right? You want to be dead. You want to feign death. You want to die because that's the purpose of predatory aggression, chase, catch, and dispatch. They chased you. They caught you. Now you got to die. Okay, so you're laying down. You're struggling. You're struggling. Every time they did this night deep bite, you die a little bit. And then you try to come back to life, and then they kill you again, right? You can do that over and over. But now here's the thing. And I saw a quick tangent. I saw a video of this the other day. Great decoy work up until this point. Decoy did great, got to the floor, was trying to get up. Every time the dog thrashed and killed it a little bit more, he went back down. Until this decoy basically resurrected. Okay, if we're talking about predatory aggression, a prey animal would not resurrect like this. So this decoy just started to get up as if the, the learning was done. 
Oh, well, the repetition is done, so we're over, and, you know. So what does that teach the dog? I could kill you, and randomly you're going to come back to life? Like, this decoy got onto his knees and was about to stand up, and the dog is thrashing, really trying to fight to take him down. That would have been the moment to drop to your knees, maybe even slip the, the jacket. Okay? And doing this type of outwork, the teaching the out this way, you won't have that problem. Okay? You won't have to stand back up and fight the dog and ruin all the good work that this decoy did. I, I felt so bad. I was like, you just did so good. And now you ruined it. So, the dog gets on the bite. You, you fight him. You fight him. Good. He gets you down. He's really biting hard now. So, the handler is going to go behind the dog and hold on to him. While the dog is on the bite, the dog is staying on the bite this whole time. Your dog might be biting for 20 minutes. That is fine. Okay, and I know the decoys right now are crying because it's going to hurt. <laughs> you got to get a thick suit, okay? Or just toughen up. So you get bit. Boom, you're holding on, you're holding on. Ah, oh, man, great. You're squeezing, you, you, you feign death a little bit, you fight a little bit harder. You fit, and you keep him engaged for 20 minutes. This is what's going to happen. Just like if you were to go for a run. Okay, go do a 400-meter sprint. If you've never done a 400-meter sprint, you're lucky in life. I used to do track. 400-meter sprint was awful. Start at the starting line. Run 400 meters. Do not stop. Do not slow down. Keep going. What you will experience, besides the shortening of breath, okay, and maybe throwing up, is lactic acid buildup in your legs. Your legs will become heavy. Does that mean you can stop running? No. You still got 400. Now, if I got to the end of the 400, you were just about to finish. And I said, another 400, keep going, keep going. And I amped you up, and I even ran with you. I amped you up. Now, okay, okay, I got, right, yeah, you had to listen. You were super obedient. You had to listen to what I said. You'd go to the 400, the second 400. Your legs are on fire. They feel like you got cinder blocks at the bottom of your feet, and you're just about to end. And I said, another 400, keep going. You're like, oh, my God. So you keep going because you're an obedient person. You're like, I got to do it. This is what I've been told to do. So you go almost, I don't know, what is that? 1,200, okay? You're practically at a mile. You're going to keep going. <laughs> You're going to keep going, okay? Your, your legs are from the hips down on fire. They are cinder blocks. They are lead. You can't even pick your feet up high enough to drag it on the floor, Okay? You are, you are begging me to stop. You want all of this pain to end, to go away. And I say, okay, you can stop running. What does that teach you? Okay. What, what did you learn from that experience? Number one, you can handle a lot more than you think. 400 sucks. It really does. But 1,200 sucks a lot more. But it makes you better at the 400, right? Makes you better at the 800 even strengthens you mentally and physically but you can handle 1200 now if i pushed you to do a mile at a full-on sprint you never want to gonna never gonna want to do a mile again you might but most likely you aren't you are not going to want to sprint a mile like that ever again unless you have some esoteric goal like that one gentleman whose name escapes me at the moment who was unstoppable okay the, the four minute mile so how does that relate to teaching the out? It's a perfect representation. 
So you have the dog on the bite for 20 minutes. Their jaw is going to hurt, but you do not let them let go. As a handler, you can even support your dog. Okay, Don't let them let go. And if they start to loosen up, get them back into the fight. Whatever you have to do, encourage them, praise them. Good job, good job, keep going, keep going. The decoy fights a little bit. The dog goes back at it. Eventually, your dog's jaw will get tired, especially if they're really gripping. Okay, they really got a grip here. So you're not damaging the grip. You're not damaging the bite. You're actually strengthening it. But you're pushing the dog to the point where they need to let go. They want to let go so bad. But you do not let them let go, just like I wasn't going to stop you from running. You're still running. You still got more to go. Okay, I made you better at the 400. I made you better at the 800. I even made you better at the 1200. But you were begging me at the end to stop. So because you've worked on obedience and you've stayed with your dog and you're like, nope, I told you to do something. You got to do it. I'm telling you to bite. You have to bite. Okay. At some point, they're going to want to let go. And right before they're about to let go, I mean, like right before they're about to let go, you get them back into the fight. I know. I know what you're thinking. Why would I do that? My dog's going to let go. I know. You cannot just rely on lactic acid. You have to rely on practically agony. Your dog needs to want to let go so bad, just like you wanted to stop, and I pushed you that much further. Right? I said, okay, do 400. That's agony. If you've never, go run a 400 and tell me you don't want to stop when you get to 300. Like, sprint a 400. A 200-meter race, you're out of, out of breath in most cases if you're going full speed. I'm telling you, go full speed for twice that, and then we're going to keep going two more times after that. Okay. We're going six times what you would have been out of breath for. Go run 1,200 full sprint and tell me that it did not suck. But you can still do 400. That's the point I want to drive home. You can still do 400 even though it sucked to do 1,200. So your dog does the bite, enjoys the bite, does 20 minutes of the bite, and now you push them a little bit further. Now, you you do not want to push them to the point where they let go on their own. They can't let go on their own. They only let go when you tell them to let go. So they're on the bite, they're on the bite, 20 minutes, 20 minutes, keep going, keep going. And all of a sudden, they're about to let go and you get them back into the fight one more time. They're really crushing down as best as they can. Right? We talk about the extinction burst in other episodes. So they're really fighting. They're like, I can't do it anymore. I just got to give this, this final push. I keep going. And then you say, out. And they go, oh, thank God. Thank God. Thank you. Please. Please. Oh, my gosh. And then that's it for the day. No more bite work. I know. You did one rep. That's fine. You can do it a couple hours later. Second rep. (laughs) Right? But you got to give your dog time to relax. Now, the reason we do that, if you notice, if you go through that picture, if you try that picture, number one, you never became a problem. I'm never fighting my dog off the bite. I'm helping my dog understand that if you do not release well actually I'm sorry it's not that you're teaching your dog if you do not release you will feel pain I'm teaching you I will prevent the pain altogether by telling you to out because what happens right so next time next time you go to do a bite they get on the bite and they know what's coming they go oh man I'm gonna have to go all the way to agony this guy's not gonna let go he's not gonna let me up he's not gonna let me stop until I hear those magic words out We're basically flipping this upside down using negative reinforcement, right? 
Actually, no, you're not using negative reinforcement. Interesting, what quadrant are you using? I don't know why I'm blanking. Because negative reinforcement would say there has to be something present in order for you to take it away. But the agony isn't there, right? Actually, the agony is there. So it is negative reinforcement. Why am I being all kooky this morning? My brain getting fuzzy. It is negative reinforcement, right? The biting is there. The agony is starting to build up. The lacidas is building up. And you tell them, okay, now you can release, right? You're, you're being the nice, yeah, let them go. It's all good. I got it from here, pal. You're good. And they go, oh, thank God I can relax. Boom. So when you do the second bite, you're going to do the exact same thing. Third bite, exact same thing. By the time it gets like the fifth bite, your dog's going to anticipate, okay, I know what's coming. After I get this good solid bite and I get this guy to the ground, I'm going to stay on until I hear those magic words, and I'm going to prevent all the agony that comes with not listening to those words or that gets released from listening to those words. That's the proper term, right? All that agony that gets released for not listening to the word. Because you'd be conditioning them to the word out, meaning the, the lactic acid and agony in their jaw is going to show up. And they go, oh, I don't want that. So they let go. And then you go play tug with them. Or you praise them. Or you, you know, let them run around with the bite sleeve. Whatever you want to do. Either or. So you're teaching them it's okay for you to let go of this. Okay. I have something better for you. That's positive reinforcement. I'm going to prevent you from having all this agony. That's negative reinforcement. And at no point did I become a part of the problem. There's no need to avoid me. There's no need to not to bring me the decoy. There's no need to run away with the decoy. There's no need to spin around the decoy. Because I'm not part of the problem. I'm part of the solution. I'm going to help you take this guy down. Now, what some of you are going to say is that this is drive. Okay, well, the dog just, they go through drive, and now they're satiated, and they're done. You can think that all you want. That is not true. You can think that as much as you'd like. It just isn't true. It has nothing to do with drive. You're not extinguishing their drive. You're not working through their drive. You've stimulated aggression. You've rewarded it. And now you're rewarding them by releasing pressure when they let go. And not correcting them, holding it until they let go. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an internal motivation to let go. The agony in my jaw or in your dog's jaw is so much that they will be happy to hear those words. Out. Los. Let go. Whatever words you use. Okay? Try it out. Send me videos at Matador Canine. Let me know how it works for you. If you need coaching, if you need skills, head over to matadorcanine.com. I'll help you out. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the episode. If you think family or friends would benefit from what you heard today on Acknowledged Dogs, please share it with them. You can post it on Facebook. We are also on every social media platform, so make sure you tag us, Matador Canine. You can also head over to Matador Canine and schedule a free consultation to talk about coaching and reaching the goals with your dog and those problem behaviors. Reach the goals that you want and have the dog that always listens.